Well, good morning, Crossroads. We're wrapping up our series called Relentless today. Who's excited to do this now? This is going to be a good day. We've got a lot of stuff happening here. Uh, here's the thing. We're baptizing people here today, here in Goshen, down in St. Pete, over in Mishawaka. It's happening at all of our campuses here. And I got to be honest with you, that's what it's all about. We're here to connect as many people with Jesus as we possibly can. And this is the ultimate celebration of changed lives. When people get baptized, they take this next step of their faith and they say, I am choosing today. I have decided to follow Jesus and I want everybody to know that. What an amazing moment that is. And so, yeah, we're going to going to celebrate that today all over the place, and I'm excited to see what God is going to do and what he continues to do in the lives of everybody as we are doing our best to relentlessly pursue him, because I believe that when we are relentless in our pursuit of Jesus, that he shows up on the scene and he starts doing things that we could not imagine otherwise. And that's a season that we're in in the life of our church, you guys. We're leaning into this idea that God will take us as far as we let him. And if we are going to be relentless in our pursuit of who he is, then I believe we are going to fulfill the purpose that he created us for. And we've been taking a look at the book of Acts, Acts 1 and 2 the last few weeks, and specifically at how the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost and radically changed the life of Peter, one of the closest friends of Jesus, one of his 12 disciples. Peter was the guy who had denied Jesus three times right before he was crucified, but was reinstated by Jesus just a few days after he rose from the grave. It was Jesus who looked at Peter right in the eye and said, Peter, I know you denied me, but listen, I'm going to build my church on you. Let's go. Let's do this. It, it, it's, it's, it's game time, all right? And in that moment, Peter realized he wasn't done. He wasn't finished. He was just getting started. And so after Jesus rose into heaven, ascended into heaven, they met in this house in Jerusalem. And it says that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit rested upon them. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, went out and preached this extraordinary sermon in the streets that saw 3,000 people say yes to Jesus and baptized that very day. What an incredible moment that is. That's when, honestly, the church began. That was when the church was born. And it's this beautiful moment moment that outpours out of this moment where the Holy Spirit rests upon Peter. He steps into his purpose, filled with passion, and is relentlessly pursuing this calling that God has placed on his life. And I think that that continues today. I don't think that that just stops with Peter. I think you see time and time again through the New Testament, through the history of the church, when you look at the story of how we got to where we are today, you see stories time and time again of people who stepped out in faith, they stepped out of their comfort zone, and they relentlessly pursued Jesus. And I believe that when we're willing to step out in faith and pursue Jesus, give him everything that we have, that's when God shows up. That's when he does the unbelievable. And that's when we see lives being changed and get to celebrate what he is doing. And I want to encourage you today, be relentless in your pursuit of Jesus because Peter, he was filled with power. He found his purpose, what his calling was. He was passionate about it. He couldn't not do it. He was so excited about what God had called him to do. And here's the thing. Because he was relentless in his pursuit of what God has, had done, he fulfilled his purpose. He, he fulfilled and reached his potential. And I want to talk about that today. Potential is one of those words that can be a little sketchy, right? Because if you're like me, like you remember back in like middle school and high school, and it's all the teachers and the people saying, hey, lean in together, class. You have potential. And you like hear that word all the time. You're like, yeah, whatever, potential. potential. You're just trying to get me to work hard without really any benefits out there. It's just a word, potential. You can become something great. And it's blurry, and you don't really know what that means or what it is going to lead to. And yet... I believe that when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, 
if you are relentless, I believe with all my heart that God will take you as far as you let him. When we talk about potential, if you don't want to miss out on a single thing that God has in store for you, then be relentless. Every time that God asks you to step out of a comfort zone, let your answer be yes. That's what being relentless is all about. It's being fierce. It's being single-minded of focus. My relationship with Jesus matters more to me than anything else. And because of all he has done for me, I have so much to be thankful for. And I want to talk about that concept today, this idea of unleashing your potential, the potential that God has created you for. And I want to tie that into this idea of thankfulness because let's be real, we've all been thinking about Thanksgiving for the last few days. Is anybody still kind of coming out of their food coma? Anybody with me on that? Uh, yeah, you had to put your sweatpants on on Thursday to get ready for everything. You're like, ooh, I need bigger sweatpants. So that's, that's my scenario. That's my situation right now. Uh, what we realize, though, is, you know, I hope that you took time to realize, man, I have so much to be thankful for. Thanksgiving is a great time of year just to kind of reset, pause, and, and just contemplate, hey, I'm blessed. You know, God has given me so much, and I have so much to be grateful for. And I think that that is really important when it comes to this idea of realizing your potential. I think the idea and the attitude of gratitude, this concept of thankfulness, is honestly very overlooked in our daily lives because I think it's really, really important if we are going to fulfill the potential that God created us for. Uh, listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Paul just writes this very simple but powerful verse. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Think about that. It's not a very long verse, but it's a significant verse. Let me read that again. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will for us that we are thankful, not just in the good times, in every circumstance. Now, that preaches a lot easier than it lives out. Can we just be honest? Like, yep, that's, that's not as easy as it sounds. But God's will for us is that we are continually in a state of being thankful for who he is and what he has done. And, and I would challenge you today with this idea that I think that the only way that you can stay in that place of thankfulness is if you are relentlessly focused on who God is and all that he has done for you. Because if you take your eyes off Jesus and you just start looking at the world around you and you start focusing on your own desires and your own wants and your own needs, pretty quickly you're going to stop being thankful. Because when you take your eyes off of Jesus, what happens? Well, you begin to look at everybody else instead of looking at Jesus. And then you start comparing yourself. And there's that, oh, that's that terrible idea and concept of comparison. Comparison is a killer, all right? You look around at what everybody else has and you're like, oh, man, my neighbor got a new car for Christmas. My car doesn't seem as nice anymore. And you just start comparing like, oh, man, that's not good. My house is getting more run down than mine. Well, this is not good at all. My clothes are getting old. I don't have the newest Nike Jordans. I am out of style. I don't know what to think. You start comparing yourself to everybody else and you begin to complain, right? And then when you're complaining, why are you complaining? Well, it's because you're filling yourself with pride. You're, you're allowing yourself to be overcome by envy. You're coveting what other people have. You've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Instead of being thankful, now I'm complaining. And then you're trying to do this all on your own now because you're not focused on Jesus. It's all about you. And now you start worrying because you're not trusting Jesus for your, to meet your needs anymore, to fulfill everything in life that he's promised you. And so now you're complaining. You're worried about what's going on in life. And suddenly, instead of being any sort of generous or, or happy or thankful, now it's just kind of hoarding. It's it's being greedy. It's like, I need to gather up everything I can because I'm doing this on my own. And it's a cycle that goes downhill really fast. 
Because then now you're in this place of, of hoarding and greed, and now you just have more to complain about because you realize, I can't do this on my own. That's a cycle that takes you away from the plan and the purpose that God has for you pretty quickly. And so when you think about the attitude of gratitude, the importance of thankfulness, you guys, it really is important because thankfulness keeps me close to the heart of God. It's impossible for me to recognize all that God has done for me and to not be thankful. We are going to be celebrating today lives that have been changed by Jesus. Is anybody excited about that today? I'm excited about lives that have been changed by Jesus. When you are focusing on who Jesus is, all that he has done for you, the fact that he is the answer to your origin. Where do I come from? I was made in the image of God. What is my purpose? I was created by him and for him. What is my identity? I am God's child. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He is mine and I am his. And where am I going? What's my destiny? I have a hope of, of eternity in heaven with him. He is the answer. He is the one that gives me everything. And if I am focused on Jesus, if I am relentlessly pursuing him, you guys, we have so much to be thankful for, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And listen, that doesn't mean that every circumstance that you go through is going to be easy because it's not. Let's just be real. I've been having a lot of conversations over the last 30, 40 days with a lot of people who've experienced loss and they're hurting. They're dealing with health issues and things aren't going well. And listen, to walk alongside people like that, to, to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, that's not easy. Nobody likes walking through those moments in life. But what God challenges us to do in his word is to be thankful in every circumstance, to not let the moments in life that are temporary overwhelm us and make us take our eyes off of Jesus. Never forget, we're called to relentlessly pursue Jesus. And if you're looking at things in this life through the context of who he is, know this, you are never without hope. You are truly blessed. You are loved with an extravagant love. God loves you, and there's nothing that you can do about that. And if you will relentlessly pursue him, I'm telling you, you will fulfill the purpose and the plan that he has for you. You won't miss out a single thing that he has for you. That's how you reach your potential. And it's tied so closely to this attitude of gratitude, to this concept of thankfulness. Because if I get farther away from Jesus, if I take my eyes off him, that's when I stop being thankful. And that's a cycle. It's, it's a road that leads me somewhere where I don't want to go. What's interesting about Peter is that he's the guy who had everything turned around in his life. He went from rock bottom, denying Jesus, to being told, you know, a week later, Peter, you're not forgotten. You're not done. I'm going to build my church around you. And about 30 days after that, the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. He preaches the best sermon he's ever preached in his life. And 3,000 people are saved and baptized and the church is born. He's off to the races. Well, it's interesting what Peter writes. I just want you to, to listen to this because it's so important what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1. This is what you see in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. And I just want you to listen to this. Peter starts this letter that he writes by saying this, All praise, all thanks be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. We have hope, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, 
God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. He says this in verse 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I love what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, don't forget what God has done for you. You have this unbelievable inheritance that God has given you. He has given you eternal life. He has given you salvation. He has forgiven you and he has set you free. Do not forget this. And he says, you're going to experience difficult times. Life is going to come at you and your faith is going to be tested. And listen, nobody likes that. Can we just all agree? Raise your hand if you like being tested. Nobody likes it. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, I got to be, I'm just going to be transparent with you. This is just a fun story, and I apologize in advance to any teacher in the room. Can we give it up for our teachers? Just thank you, teachers, for all that you do. That being said, this might be offensive to some of our teachers. Okay. When I was in college, my freshman year, I had to take a class that was called Fine Arts. It was required by everyone at the college to take this class, Fine Arts. And honestly, it was the worst. They made you listen to classical music. You had to write down your thoughts about the different, you know, ancient composers. I don't even know who they are. And... You had to take a quiz every class. It was a Tuesday, Thursday class. Every Tuesday, Thursday through the semester, there was like a 20-question true-false quiz. And and that was your grade. And then at the end of the the semester, there was a, a huge final exam with all of the quizzes, like all of the answers from the quizzes were in the final exam. So you had to remember everything. And you guys, it was terrible. I mean... I'm not going to embarrass you, but listen, how many people really enjoy just, you know, I'm in for the night, I'm going to listen to some classical music, I'll listen, <laughs> listen to Beethoven for the next four hours. Nobody says that, but we were supposed to do that. So, I mean, we, oh man, it was a drudgery getting through the class and the whole semester. We finally got to the end, and then we realized we've got this final exam, and, and none of us, like none of my friends that were in this class together, none of us really knew the content, but here's what we did, and here's where it might get offensive to teachers, and I just apologize again in advance. What we realized was, hey, this final exam is completely off the true and false questions that we have in front of us on these quizzes. One of my buddies got smart and said, hey, let's see how many there are. We realized there was only about 30% of the answers that were actually false. So what we did was we gathered all of the false statements in the, in the quizzes. We assembled them on one sheet, and we just read through those lines, familiar ourselves, familiarizing ourselves with those sentences. If this is a sentence we recognize, it's false. <laughs> If I don't recognize this sentence, it's true. (laughs) We put all of our eggs in that basket. It was a risky play. We all aced the final exam. Aced it. Aced it. Yeah. Fun fact. Actually, two. I know nothing about classical music, not a thing, not a thing. So that's on me. Teachers, I apologize, that's on me. Fun fact number two, uh, my wife, Dana, was also in that class. 
And when she found out how we had studied, she was upset. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you that right now, because she studied it the right way. She knows. She knows that stuff. I do not. <laughs> I apologize if that was offensive, all of my teacher friends. <laughs> Nobody likes to be tested, but testing is how we grow, if you do it right. <laughs> testing is how we grow. So if you're being tested, lean into that. Man, that's difficult. I, I have to say it again. If you're being tested, lean into that. What's, what's God trying to speak to you? What's God trying to teach you? You're not always going to have the answers for why things are happening or what, what is happening, what's the purpose, what's the reason. But I encourage you to lean into that, to keep your eyes on Jesus and to not lose sight of the fact that you have so much to be thankful for. Because you have hope. You have hope. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. You have an inheritance that's waiting for you, an eternal inheritance, eternal glory. So in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the storm, be thankful. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because he is the author and he is the perfecter of your faith. And Jesus himself endured the scorn and the shame and the suffering, the test of the cross. Now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our Savior. He is the one who forgives us. He is the one who sets us free. He suffered. He had to be tested. Keep your eyes fixed on him. He loves you with an extravagant love. He has pursued you with a relentless love. And our response, it must be the same. Our response must be a pursuit of Jesus. It must be obedience. You know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about that today. A lot of times in our culture, we just like to talk about love and grace and, hey, do what you want. Everything's fine because God loves you. Well, no. When you encounter the love of Jesus, his relentless pursuit of you, all you see in Scripture is that my response needs to be a relentless pursuit of him. I'm called to be obedient. I'm called to be relentless in my pursuit of Jesus. I'm called to be like him. That's what it means to be holy. That's me setting myself apart. And honestly, Jesus is the one who sets us apart. When I ask Jesus to come into my life, when I say yes to Jesus, he changes my life. He sets me apart. And now I am to, to become more like him. And what we see in the scripture in 2 Timothy 3, there's a warning. I, 2 Timothy 3, Paul says, in the last day, people will be lovers of themselves and their money, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. I've always been intrigued by that list of, of items that, that Paul uses to identify the last days. People will be lover of themselves. They're not focused on Jesus. They're focused on themselves. And so they're focused on their money because they've gone down this spiral where it's just consumed by hoarding and greed. And what is it? They're unthankful, unloving, unforgiving, unholy. I get unholy. They're not following after Jesus. Okay, I understand that one. Unforgiving? Yeah, that's a big one because if I don't forgive my brother and sister, God doesn't forgive me. I have to have an attitude of forgiveness. That idea of unloving, well, that's one of the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. In the last days, yeah, people will be unloving, unforgiving, unholy. Yeah, sure, preach, preach. But unthankful? That always seems like the outlier, like unthankful. Eh, that's not a big deal. But in the last days, that's a key marker of people who fall away from Jesus, who have no, no intention of following him. It's interesting that that's one of the markers, right? Unthankful. 
because that's the beginning of the slippery slope. I can only be unthankful if I take my eyes off of Jesus. And so the challenge is today, make sure your eyes are fixed on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the one who goes before us. He fights for you. He loves you. He is offering you this unbelievable inheritance. You are blessed. You are dearly and deeply loved. Do not forget all that he has done for you. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, it's going to be impossible for you not to be thankful. In 1 Peter, he continues this. This is awesome. He says, so prepare your minds for action. Keep in mind all that Jesus has done for you. Prepare your minds for action. You can't not do anything. Peter says later on in Acts, he says, because of what God has done for me, I can't not speak. I mean, they tell him, hey, be quiet, stop preaching about Jesus or we're throwing you in jail. And his response is, I can't not speak. It's a total double negative. It's not good grammar, but it's amazing. I can't not do this. I have to speak Jesus because of all that he has done for me, because he's laser focused on who God is. He's living on purpose. He's walking in the power. He is passionate about all that God has done, and he is realizing his full potential. Man, God is using him to do extraordinary things because he is relentless in his pursuit of Jesus. And so what does Peter say to everybody else? He says, prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. That's the call to action. I've got to follow Jesus. I have to obey what he calls me to do. That is where life is lived to the fullest. As soon as I take my eyes off of Jesus, as soon as I try to start doing life my own way, that's where life goes off the rails. And that's what we fight for because we're so prideful. We're so arrogant. We think that we can do it better than God does. And it never works out. And I just want to challenge you today. Man, stay focused on who Jesus is. Be thankful for all that he has done and prepare yourselves for action. Don't miss out on a single thing that God has in store for you because here's the deal. God will take you as far as you let him. I believe that with all of my heart. And I don't want to miss out on a single thing. Can we just agree? Let, let's go. Let, let's do this. Let's, let's make our move. None of what I have just talked about was in our sermon notes today. So I don't know what to do now. Uh, I walked in this morning, full disclosure, we walked through all the sermon notes and I said, delete that one, delete that one, delete that one. Nobody knows what I was going to do today. Not a single person. Not even me. So we'll see. I don't know if this is good or bad. We're just going with it today. The, the reality is though, when you get off the sidelines and you start being relentless in your pursuit of Jesus, that is when God shows up. That is when the light comes on. That's when you start realizing your purpose, fulfilling your potential. That's when you start living into the, to the purpose that God created you for. And I want to challenge you today. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't let these opportunities pass you by. You guys, we're on a mission. We're here to connect people with Jesus. 
And God has placed you in a circle of people for a specific reason. He's called you to be a light in the darkness and to draw people to Jesus. He's given you gifts and abilities to use for him. Don't sit on the sidelines. Engage in what God is doing. Don't fall into the trap of being greedy. Live generously. Give cheerfully. Let's be inviting everyone we know to a changed life. Let's be investing in the mission of the church. Let's involve ourselves in the ministry of what is happening here because together if we are relentless, it is unbelievable what God wants to do in us and through us. I love seeing stories of people who come to life when they engage in the calling that God has placed on them. And listen, it doesn't always have to be some amazing step of faith. Sometimes it's just seeing a need, stepping up and realizing, hey, this is a need that I can meet. I want to share a story with you today of a great couple at our St. Pete campus, Mitch and Sandra Johnson. Enjoy this story. Well, I usually get up about 6.30 and uh, I'll come over to the church about 7 and I'll start setting up all of the signs, all of the A-boards, the flags, uh, and just get everything ready to go. It takes me about 35, 40 minutes and then I'm all sweaty then, <laughs> so yes. that's when I go back, take my shower and get ready to go to church. Yeah, and, and I want I just, to I just next love to it. me. <laughs> I just love it, you know? I like waving to the, you know, sometimes I don't get any, uh, any response, but for the most part, everybody waves or yells or honks their horn when I'm waving at them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we even had a family come because yeah. you kept waving at them all the time. It's an exciting place to be. You feel like everyone is there for one purpose, and that's to just praise God. Crossroads exists to connect people with God. You know, we, you walk through the door and you just feel it. Even when I come over during the week and I help with something, I just feel so good. The things that I do are usually like helping out in the cafe, which is kind of probably one of my more favorites because I get to greet everybody and say hello and just spend time talking with people, you know, hearing about how's your week been going. And, and then I do love helping in the kids' room because I just, I'm a kid person. I love little kids. Whatever I can do at Crossroads, I want to do. The church, the church is a family, and family helps family. It can't be all up to the staff. If we left everything up to the staff, they would just be so overwhelmed. We're all supposed to be working on this together. Whether we're here in Florida, or we're up in Goshen, or Mishawaga, we're all one big Crossroad family. It's wonderful that Crossroads is here to bring those people in to, to help change, them see change lives to change their and lives know Jesus and and do it in a way that they're comfortable coming through the doors as you know uh, recently we did the all-in program at the church and so we felt we need to make that commitment to the church not only for our tithes and offerings but maybe a little something more because life has been good to us the Lord has blessed us and so if there's more that we can do by being all in with Crossroads, we're there. We're there physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially to help the church. Because if the church doesn't have good finances, they can't spread the word. How do we get it out there if we can't support the church and its missions? Uh, I think the people that come by enjoys having somebody wave at them. If I, I get a couple of people or just one. I've, I've done my job. Yeah. And I'm still excited about it. You, you've been on your mission. 
That makes me happy. Uh, I love seeing all those pictures of our St. Pete campus. Honestly, I would go visit our St. Pete campus a lot more if the weather wasn't so terrible. So just remember that, St. Pete. Uh, I I think it's worth celebrating the fact that Man, what's happening here at Crossroads, I think a lot of times we forget this, it's happening in multiple communities. It's happening all over the place every week. And I just want to encourage you to lean in because what God is doing here is special. This, This doesn't happen everywhere. To be able to celebrate lives that have been changed as often as we do, that doesn't happen everywhere. To, to see that God is moving and working and breaking addictions and setting people free, that doesn't happen everywhere. You guys, we're part of something special. And I want to encourage you, when we talk about how do we unleash our potential, how, how do I do that, how, how do I live into this purpose and plan that God created me for, I want to leave you with this thought today. Uh, in Scripture, you see this all throughout the New Testament. Jesus used this illustration many times. Paul used this illustration. It's the idea of a farmer sowing seed. How do you unleash your potential? Well, you sow generously. Don't sit on the sideline. Don't miss out on the opportunities that God has for you. When it comes to sowing generously, use your time, your talent, your treasure, and invest in the things of the kingdom of heaven. Don't sit on the sidelines and let these opportunities pass you by. Guys, we've got to be relentless in our pursuit of who Jesus is and who he is calling us to be. Don't settle for average. Don't let these things pass you by so generously. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 9. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. I think what we have to remember is that sowing generously is how I leave a legacy. I've got to be all in. I've got to be relentless in my pursuit of Jesus and who he created me to be. And Crossroads, I don't want us to miss out on a single thing. I think God is just getting started here. There are so many amazing things on the horizon. God is moving. God is working. Lives are being changed. We're about to celebrate 15 lives being changed that have been changed by Jesus today through baptism. That's about to happen. It's real. It's happening. It's right here. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss a single thing. Um, In in 2 Corinthians 9, he continues to go on. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And it says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I mean, it's incredible to think sowing generously is how I honor God. It's how I leave a legacy, but it's also how I honor God. And there's this beautiful truth that I've seen tested and proven true time and time again. It's this concept and this principle that you cannot outgive God. I mean, what an amazing promise he gives us. It's like, hey, test me on this. Like, t- it's one thing he says, test me on this. Give and see if I don't pour my blessing out on you. Just see how I don't show up. And that just proves this idea of thankfulness and how important it is. Because you guys, if I'm focused on Jesus, if I am recognizing all that he has done for me, how he has changed my life, the future that I have because of him, I have so much to be thankful for. And instead of living in a place where I'm not focused on Jesus and suddenly I'm consumed by everything around me, I'm complaining, it leads to a life of worry, it leads to greed where I'm hoarding everything. Instead of walking down that path, if I stay focused on Jesus, remember who he is and all he has done and I am thankful, that leads to a life of contentment. I can be content in any circumstance. That's what Paul wrote in Philippians. Because he has learned to trust in God. 
I can be thankful because of all that God has done. I can be content because of all that he is doing. I see him moving and working in my life. And when I realize that by living generously, by sowing generously, by investing in the kingdom, when I see that God is moving and working and showing up, it moves me to be more generous with my time, my talent and treasure. It moves me to be relentless in my pursuit of Jesus. It moves me to be all in. Because I don't want to miss out on a single thing that God is doing. Because the more that I see God showing up, the more that I invest, the more that I actually have to be thankful for. And it just reinforces this circle that leads me to this place where God has called me to be. And I just want to challenge you today. Crossroads. Let's sow generously into the kingdom of heaven. Let's not sit on the sidelines. Let's not let these opportunities pass us by. I want to finish where I began today. God will take us as far as we let him. And he has already done so much for us. I want to challenge you today. Be thankful. Man, be filled with this attitude of thanksgiving because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you because of all that he has done for us. What are you thankful for today? How has God blessed you? You might be walking through a valley. You might be getting tested right now. I want to encourage you. Don't let that overwhelm you. Don't let the darkness of the valley overwhelm you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Remember how much you are loved, the hope and the future that he has for you. There is always, always, always something to be thankful for. And I just want to close with this question. Am I sowing generously? God unleashes our potential when we're relentless and crossroads. The things that God could do here, if we're willing just to pursue him, say yes to him, to step out of our comfort zone. Whenever he says, hey, I'm challenging you to make a next step in your faith, the answer is yes. I'm challenging you to lay down something that's become a barrier between you and I. The answer is yes. If we're relentless in our pursuit of Jesus, you guys, the things that he's going to do, we can't even imagine. And I don't want to miss a thing. Let's reach our potential. Let's go all in. Let's be relentless in our pursuit of Jesus. As we come to a close, I, I want to give you a chance today to make sure that you have begun this journey. Because if you're here today and you've been hearing us talk about this idea, we always have something to be thankful for. Think about all that Jesus has done for you. Listen to me. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you don't know what that looks like, if you're just longing to be forgiven and to be set free, I want, to know, want you to know today that that is something that you can experience today. And we want to invite you to experience that with us because Jesus came to this planet and laid down his life for you so that you could experience life to the fullest, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free. He loves you with an extravagant love. There is nothing that you can do about it. And so today as we close our time together, I would invite everyone to stand. No matter where you're at today, would you stand and would you join us in saying this prayer, a prayer that can change everything, a prayer that invites Jesus into your life. It's a prayer that says yes to Jesus. Can we pray this prayer together? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the Savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And he is worthy. He is holy. There is no one like him. His is the name above all names. He's the God who provides. He's the God who heals. He is with us. And if you said yes to Jesus for the first time today, I want you to know that there's a party happening in heaven right now. They are celebrating because you were lost and now you've been found. And we want to just walk alongside you on that journey. If you said yes to Jesus before this day is over, would you please come? Talk to Michelle. Talk to Stu. Let them know you said yes to Jesus and let us celebrate that with you because there is nothing better than that moment when you
you say yes to Jesus. And that is something, you guys, that we get to celebrate together as a church family right now. In this service, we have seven people who are about to be baptized. Anybody excited about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I wish I could say celebrate like you're a Notre Dame fan celebrating a win from last night, but I can't do that. So what we're all going to have to do is pretend that we're Michigan fans, and we're going to have to celebrate like Michigan Wolverine fans yesterday who just annihilated Ohio State, just for the record, just annihilated them, crushed them, like a, a JV football team, really. But that's, that's neither here nor there. It's neither here nor there. Uh, what I want us to do is I want us to celebrate in a huge way. Because what baptism is, it's an outward symbol of an inward work. It's, it's someone who says, I have encountered Jesus, and I want everybody to know that I have decided to follow him. It's a public profession of faith. And I want to make this announcement today. Maybe you're here and you have said yes to Jesus, and you've never been baptized. I'm just going to tell you, it's an open trough today. I'll just say open trough. Um, if you're feeling in your heart that now is the moment to be baptized, Come forward as we sing this song together. Uh, Kay is over here. Is Kay over here? Where's Kay? Kay, wave your hand at me. Kay's right here. Come talk to Kay. And she'll give you a You Are Love t-shirt and we'll baptize you right here because it's all about what you've done. If you've said yes to Jesus and you need to take this next step in your faith, why not now? Why not today? Let's, let, let's go. Let's do Let's celebrate your life that's been changed by Jesus. So you guys, let's worship together. Let's sing the, the beginning of this song and then let's celebrate changed lives together.